Quick calls. I apologize if, you know, it seemed like I was a little short with you after the game. Honestly, there wasn't too much to say. I don't know that there's a whole lot more to say now, but, you know, it's not your fault. That was a frustrating game. Monday edition of PFTPM. Shereen Williams, Mike Florio here with you. And this is a flashback to 2020, Shereen. We are up against a football game. Happened a couple of times last year with a 5 p.m. Eastern start, a Monday doubleheader. Hey, NFL, you don't know what you're messing with here. I don't know what you're thinking. Why didn't you start it at 6 o'clock? Do you really want to dilute your audience as thousands? Okay, hundreds. Okay, five or six. Who could be watching the game or watching or listening to this instead. It's Raiders, Browns, or it's this. I also thought about, Shireen, doing kind of like a PFT version of the Manning cast where we just watch the games on our phone and comment on it in real time and try to get people to set up a dual screen. But I didn't think of it until like five minutes ago, so, you know, I didn't have time to do it. (laughs) That would have been awesome. So if you see me going like this, I'm checking to see what the score is of the game. Well, at least it's a game that really isn't all that critical for the league at large. Although for the Cleveland Browns, it definitely is. If they win, they're in first place in the AFC North. If they lose, they're in last place. That's how tightly packed that division currently is. By the way, Nick Mullins, starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. So we welcome in all Browns fans who would rather watch this than Nick Mullins. The good news is there are no Philadelphia Eagles in sight that he can throw the football to who would be wide open. That's my lingering memory of Mullins from last year during his time with not the Eagles, but the 49ers. By the way, Bill Belichick. I'm very confused here. I don't know if he was visited by a trio of Christmas ghosts last night. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe Marley showed up. Somebody put the fear of God into him because he apologized for being The guy that he's been for the last 20 years. You go back and watch what he said Saturday night. He's that way all the time. All the time. I don't know what's gotten into him. I really do think there's some sort of modern-day Christmas carol that's gone on here. I don't know who the Tiny Tim or the Bob Cratchit would be in this exchange. But but I, I, I think that Bill Belichick's undergone some sort of organic personality shift, Shireen. Well, that was my first thought. It's Christmas week. Boy, did his wife get on him? Like, what Christmas spirits visit him? What happened here? Because I don't think he's ever apologized. And and you're right. That's just the way he is. He's cranky and grumpy in every single press conference he's ever in, in, win or lose, uh, more often than not. So very surprising to see Bill Belichick apologize for anything to the media. That was stunning. Most stunning thing that's happened this week. I think you've hit the nail on the head, though. I jest about the Christmas ghosts. At least I hope I'm jesting, because if they're out there, they're destined to eventually visit me. But, but the wife is the one, for any of us, the husband for the wives, that can get us to understand that we're doing things that we shouldn't do. Case in point, Playmakers, the book that comes out on March 15. You can see a copy of it over Shireen's right shoulder. My wife asked me recently, do you use the F word in Playmakers? And I contemplated the question, and I realized that since she has access to a copy of it, she could quickly debunk my Uh claim if I would say that I did not. And I said once or twice, and she said, children may read that. (laughs) And I I, I, I told her, it's kind of too late to change it. I guess I could find every copy and scratch it out where it shows up like two times. But yes, that is the kind of message that can get through to you. So apparently... Mrs. Belichick, because they did get married at some point quietly over the course of the last year. I think Mrs. Belichick prevailed uh, prevailed or prevailed on Bill to uh, apologize for being the guy that he's been for the last 20 years. All right, let's get to some of the news. Okay, wait, wait. Joey, did, so did you, ask Jill, did you ask Jill Florio why she hasn't read the book yet? She has. That's the problem. She's forgotten. That shows she what impact it's it? had on her. She proofread it. <laughs> That's what I should have said. Look, look. Back when I was a kid, I would do the cost-benefit analysis of being a smartass with my mother. Like, is it worth getting spanked? <laughs> yeah. Is it worth getting punished? As an adult, I don't do that anymore. I've learned it's never worth it. 
So I didn't make the smart aleck remark. Well, you know, if you'd bother to read the book, maybe. Yeah, but she's read it. She just she forgot. She <laughs> she forgot. Um, so awesome. anyway, I, I will be. If you did buy a copy of Playmakers and you're offended by the presence of the F word, send it to me with, you know, like a self-addressed stamped box that I can put it back in. And I will personally find it, scratch it out and send it back to you. Hopefully you'll forget that by the time the book comes out on March 15. All right. The Los Angeles Chargers have added Joey Bosa and Corey Lindsley to the reserve COVID list, and they have announced concomitant, $10 word, with the uh, news that Bosa is on the list that he will be out for Sunday, which means he's not vaccinated. We already knew that because he did a five-day stint on the close contact list, but this is more likely than not going forward what we're going to see when a guy does land on covid and we know he's going to be out for a specific period of time because under the new protocols, you could, in theory, test positive today and be back tomorrow. Or, you know, there aren't going to be many guys who test positive at all. That's the thing that's got to sink in for everyone. They've dramatically changed the testing, but for the unvaccinated players, they're still tested every single day. And if they're positive, they're gone for a minimum of 10 days. Two bits of good news for the Chargers out of this. One is they play the Texans this week, so they could probably do without Joey Bosa and win this game very easily. Nine and a half sacks for him this year. A sack in six of the last seven games. He's really playing at a high level. They will miss him, but they play the Texans. If they can't beat the Texans without Joey Bosa, they probably don't deserve to go to the playoffs anyway. The second bit of good news, Mike, is now he has COVID. He will miss a game. And guess what? He doesn't have to test again for this entire season, including the postseason. So he is free and clear the rest of the way. Well, and that's the one thing to remember. Every player who does test positive and return is good to go for the rest of the season. We are within the 90-day window. I think we're down to 55 days between now and the Super Bowl. Remember, though, Aaron Rodgers, the testing window opens on him again two days after the conference championship games. So if they make it to the Super Bowl, he gets tested every single day. And that specter of possibly being positive any single day as the virus is spreading like wildfire, and who knows what it will be doing in 40, 45 days, but that's when it returns for him. For anybody else who gets dinged now, they don't get tested again, and they're not subject to being knocked out again for the balance of the 2021 season. And really the goal now, and this is a joint objective by both the league and the union, is to just get through the league, and then they'll figure out where they are with the pandemic, which is becoming endemic to society after Super Bowl 56. Travis Kelsey placed on the reserve COVID list. He is vaccinated, so there's a chance he'll be back in time for Sunday's game. Again, everything has changed now. The threshold for him getting back is lower. He doesn't have to do the 24 hours between negative tests. So I think we're going to see a lot of guys make it back within a week. But I I will say this. We had Baker Mayfield test positive last Wednesday. He didn't make it back in time for today's game against the Raiders. So we'll just wait and see. But it should be easier. And the goal from last Thursday's changes was to make it easier for players to come back. But Kelsey, a key component to what the Chiefs are doing uh, and was was great on Thursday night with a career-high 191 receiving yards and the game-winning touchdown. They need him because with the Steelers, you never know. You never know what team's going to show up, and you never know when they're going to string together four turnovers or whatever the case may be to outscore you and steal a game. Well, and tested positive on a Monday, Mike, you think that would improve his chances of getting back by this weekend. So I would expect him to play based on the new protocols. That's that's the goal is to get these guys back. And they do need him. And they do need to figure out how to get this offense going on a regular basis. And Pittsburgh will be a good test for them. So hopefully he gets back for the Chiefs. They can figure out their offense these last three games and head into the postseason ready to go. Uh, And uh, also Jared Goff, a day after leading the Lions to an (laughs) unlikely victory over the Arizona Cardinals. What a stunner. The Cardinals had won every road game all season long by double digits. They could have been the first team in league history to get to eight road games with double-digit victories. They still can when they travel to Dallas, although it'll be slightly more difficult than the task that they had yesterday in Detroit. They lost 30-12 to to the Lions. Jared Goff on COVID reserve after having his best day as a Lion yesterday in that upset win over the Arizona Cardinals. And it just kind of figures. But from the Lions' perspective, look, you mentioned the Texans earlier. They're the team that couldn't tank straight. They won yesterday against the Jaguars. This is the time <laughs> of the year when all is lost and you're better off losing. So, Lions fans, 
take heart. If you don't have Jared Goff and you have Tim Boyle, that means you're more likely to lose this week, and it means you're more likely to get a higher pick. This is all about maximizing your pick. When you look at how much teams give up just to move a couple of spots up in round one, it shows you the value of losing these games when you're out of it. The NFL will never talk about it. They prefer that we don't notice it, but it is the truth, Shireen. Well, it absolutely is, and it's what teams should want to do. And Jacksonville actually was the winner of that game yesterday between the Texans and the Jaguars, if you want to know the truth. The Texans won the game on the field, but when it comes to draft position, obviously the Jaguars now are going to have a higher draft position than the Texans. They lost the Texans twice this season. So they are definitely a worse team than the Texans, but I, you know, when you've won two games or three games, I don't know that that makes that much of a difference. The, the seating does make a lot of difference. Where you draft in the draft order makes a ton of difference. Can you imagine the, the Lions getting Aiden Hutchinson? I mean, this is a guy who played at Michigan, and if you have him come in and play for the Lions as good as he's been, that would be just key for the Lions to get that pass rush help. Of course, they could get a quarterback too, but I'm just saying, they have a kid right in their backyard, didn't grow up a Lions fan, but boy, they would love to have him sell some tickets to see him play for the Lions. Regardless of whether you have dibs on somebody that you want to take or you have the ability to trade that pick to someone else and get more in return, it's better to be higher in the draft order, which means it's better when we're at this stage of a lost regular season to lose games. Who cares if you're four and 13 or three and 14 or two and 15? It doesn't matter. And it's not going to make the difference between whether or not the coach comes back. And I know the players aren't going to try to lose and the coaches who aren't secure for next year, aren't going to try to lose. It comes down to making the broader decisions higher above, like we're going to evaluate a young quarterback like Davis Mills. Hey, Davis, you're not supposed to beat the Jaguars. You're supposed to lose that game. If, if <laughs> the, the plan yeah. was here the, to, to lose so we can draft higher, but, but it's the NFL's open secret that, again, they don't want us to talk about, so I talk about it whenever I can. Something the Buccaneers wish we weren't talking about, injuries to key players. Chris Godwin reportedly an ACL tear. It started off as an MCL sprain, and then mid-afternoon it converted to an ACL tear once the MRI results were further studied. So, ACL tear, Godwin done. Mike Evans, week-to-week with a strained hamstring. Week-to-week is worse than day-to-day. Week-to-week means he's at least missing a game. The question is how many games until he comes back. Leonard Fournette could miss time with a hamstring injury. Levante Dave with a foot injury. Godwin Evans and Fournette, critical to that offense and look at what happened last night without them now it's not like they scored points with them but you take those three guys three guys out of the mix Shireen a lot harder to score points and for the third time in Tom Brady's career he suffered a shutout this time at the hands of the Saints who have beaten him four straight times in the regular season well, and it's so weird, Mike, because Mike Evans is the be- better receiver. I think we would all agree to that, or at least I would since I'm an Aggie and he's an Aggie. But Mike Evans is the better receiver of those two guys. But it, Tom Brady has a connection with Chris Godwin for whatever reason. I mean, he had targeted this guy 127 times, most in the team. Chris Godwin had the most catches on the team, 98. 1,100 yards, five touchdowns now. Mike Evans has more touchdowns, but I'm just saying there is a comfort level there between Tom Brady and Chris Godwin that he has not found except in the red zone with Mike Evans for whatever reason. They're going to miss Chris Godwin a ton. It's the reason they franchise tagged him. It's also the reason this injury is why players hate the franchise tag. Now, he's not going to be back for the start of next season, yet he becomes a free agent in March. So this could affect how long of a contract he gets, how much money he gets. It's why guys want long-term contracts when they can get them. And I hope that the Bucks do the right thing by Chris Godwin. And with Tom Brady wanting him back, I'm sure they'll find a way to give him a long-term deal. But he deserves a long-term deal uh, despite this injury because he's been very important to that offense. It sure ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. That, it's, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to pay this guy for what he's done in the yeah. past, or you're not going to pay him a big contract until he's healthy. A long-term contract would have some sort of an out in there after one year. I mean, we've seen too many guys come back from torn ACLs not the same to run that risk. No and doubt. It's harsh, but, and it doesn't seem fair, but that's the way it is. And, you know, th- this is one of the problems with the franchise tag, and there's a chapter in Playmakers about this reality that the franchise tag is a tool that the teams have 
to keep players who otherwise have earned free agency status from hitting the market. And there are devices available to the players who can, if they want to, take advantage of withholding services. Le'Veon Bell once sat out a full season in lieu of being franchise tagged. But it's unfair to the players. It's part of the reality. It's never going away. And the problem for any player who's operating under that one-year franchise tag, you can suffer a serious injury. The later in the year it happens, the harder it is to get yourself healthy. I mean, they're going to have to, you know, they're not going to franchise tag him again come March. He'll become a free agent. And who's going to sign him until he can prove that he's 100%? It's, It's unfortunate for him. But this is why, folks, I always harp on supporting the players, getting what they can while they can, because their ability to get paid can evaporate quickly. They have a limited window of time in their lives when they can get maximum compensation for their skills, abilities, and sacrifices. And when you line up behind the owners, because you support the team, we support the laundry, we support the entity that's always going to be here, the players are going to come and go, it puts the players in a tough spot. And Chris Godwin may never get now, Shireen, the payday that – he would have gotten if he had hit the open market in March of this year. Yeah, he made $15.9 million off the tag this season, and he deserved more based on what he did for the Buccaneers. And they obviously wanted him back and wanted him back very badly because of his connection with Tom Brady. And now he may never see that payday. So we'll see what happens come March, but it's going to be a long time, nine months probably at minimum, before we see Chris Godwin uh, back running routes and back on the field. So he's got a long rehab in front of him, very unfortunate for him and unfortunate for the Buccaneers, who now have to rely on, fortunately they have A.B. coming back, but they have Brashad Perriman, who's going to come back off the COVID list, and Tyler Johnson, who was a key part of their playoff run last season, will have to step up and help them out. Uh, Speaking of Antonio Brown, he is back, and he is not bashful. Antonio Brown and Mike Edwards, the safety who was (laughs) embroiled in the fake vaccination card scandal, they called it what was it, misrepresenting vaccination status? Because the union is very concerned about not providing the Department of Justice with a gift-wrapped case of of fraud, of a felony up to five years behind bars, in theory, for mislabeling a document with the logo of a federal agency. But they're back. They're back. And there's plenty to say about Antonio Brown. There are things happening as we speak regarding Antonio Brown that are going to be very fun to discuss. But... Remember, they were both suspended three games. The Buccaneers were creating this notion that they weren't sure what they were going to do. Even if they had any doubt, as of last night, Antonio Brown's coming back. As I pointed out last night on Twitter, he could show up with a a whole deck of fake vaccination cards, and they're not cutting him because now (laughs) they need him. They need him. And Bruce Arians, who before today had not yet been forced to address his claim from last year that if he screws up one time, he's gone today, meeting with reporters, Arians finally trying to reconcile what he told Peter King last October. He screws up one time and he's gone. And the fact that Brown screwed up and he's not gone. Here's Arians. Well, the history has changed since that statement. You know, um, a lot of things went on last year that I was very proud of him. And I made a decision that this was best for our football team. What was the decision-making process for you like, knowing that some people might go back to those comments you made publicly about Brown and say, wait a minute, hasn't this guy had enough chances? I could give a what they think. The only thing I care about is this football team and what's best for us. Thank you, Coach Aarons, for admitting what we all know. About every sport at every level, professional, amateur, it doesn't matter. Excuses are made for the stars. Examples are made of the scrubs. And that's just the way. There's no integrity in this. No. You stand on principle when it's a guy who's not any good. And you want to justify getting rid of him. Well, we can't tolerate that kind of behavior here. Unless it's committed by somebody that we really need to win. Then we will put up with that behavior. That's just the way it is. Hey, I've made this observation about Urban Meyer. The Jaguars couldn't tolerate his behavior anymore. But I guarantee you, if he was 11-2 instead of 2-11, he'd still be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's how it works. And it's good that Arians finally had to admit it and, you know, drop an S-bomb and, you know, act tough and whatever. I I don't want to start down the I've had enough of the Bruce Arians shtick avenue, so I won't. Although I think I just kind of did. The bottom line is... This isn't surprising because they need Antonio Brown and they need Mike Edwards, so they're keeping him. If these were a couple of guys at the bottom of the roster, they'd have been cut weeks ago, Shireen. 
Yeah, John Roper fell asleep in a Cowboys team meeting. Guess what? Jimmy Johnson cut him. And Jimmy Johnson's talked a lot about treating different players differently. You have to. And that's exactly what they've done with A.B. When you look at his impact on this offense, 5-0 with him, 34.2 points per game, 26.6 points per game without him. He has made a difference to this offense. And with Chris Godwin now gone, They do need him, and they do need him very badly. They need him worse today than they did yesterday or the day before when he turned in the fake vaccine card. They need him more now with Chris Godwin gone. They have no chance, in my opinion, if they don't have A.B. and they don't have Chris Godwin, I don't think they have a chance to win the Super Bowl. They need one of those two guys. It's unfortunate they won't have both of them, but they need one of those two guys, and they now have A.B. coming back to replace Chris Godwin. And... uh... Antonio Brown has tweeted, put some respect on my name, all of you. And I retweeted that with the somewhat sarcastic and snarky reply, is there room for it on the fake vaccination card? And that got his attention. And he said, I'm going to post my COVID-19 vaccination video just for you. Thank you, Antonio Brown. You know what? Appreciate it. I don't know how. I don't know how he was able to get access to my Christmas list, because that's at the top of it. I want to see the Antonio Brown vaccination video. Thank you, Santa. You came through. It's a festivist miracle. It's a Christmas wonder. And here's the reality. It doesn't matter if he got vaccinated later, because what I think happened is once his former live-in chef, who Antonio Brown didn't pay $10,000 to, who then went and told his story. Once Antonio Brown realized that it was hitting the fan, he went and got vaccinated. Because that's the way Antonio Brown would react to a situation like that. Oh, no. Oh, no. My my story's about to blow up. I better go get vaccinated, then it'll be okay. It doesn't make it okay. You still submitted a fake vaccination card. It doesn't matter if you got vaccinated later. So, you know, it's like robbing a bank and then trying to put back some of the money. It doesn't matter. You've already (laughs) robbed the bank. So I I don't care if he got vaccinated later. I mean, for him, good. I hope he did. But the fake vaccination card is the problem. And he needs to be careful. Antonio Brown's lawyer needs to tell him, just shut up. Just shut up about all of this, because anything you say can and will be used against you. He could still be prosecuted for this. And uh, if I were advising him, look, I think it's great theater. I think it's very entertaining. But, Antonio, just focus on football. You're not, you're not going to get any sympathy from anyone. And you're only going to make things worse for yourself. Just, just play football. And don't worry about me. Don't worry about the people who are pointing out the fact that you submitted a fake vaccination card. Again, nothing good. I, and this is where I'm being serious. I've been having some fun. Nothing good comes from him talking about this, tweeting about this, saying anything about it. Just forget about it and move on. That's your best play. Well, and when has he ever done that, Mike? He's never done that, which is part of his problem and has been part of his problem because he can't get his mind completely on football. Whether it's worried about who gets the team MVP award or getting his feet uh, in a cryotherapy, going barefoot in a cryotherapy thing, worrying about his helmet, whatever it is, his mind never seems to be fully on football. It's on other things outside of football, which has been a problem. And frankly, if he had just paid the chef in the first place, we never would have heard about this ever. It would not have gotten out. Well, that's right. And that's what it all comes down to. If he just would pay his bills, if he and and he doesn't even realize that the people who know stuff about you are the ones that you want to prioritize. If you are only going to pay some of your bills, start with the people who know things about you that could get you in trouble. So, look, I hey, I, I believe in redemption for everyone, and I believe there's an opportunity for the good in all of us to come out. And Antonio Brown did a great job all of last year staying out of trouble, and he played extremely well, and he won a Super Bowl ring for himself, and people are back to talking about him possibly making it to the Hall of Fame someday. That's great. But he committed a serious breach of the COVID protocols. He endangered people like Bruce Arians, a three-time cancer survivor, and Tom Moore, who's 83 years old. And he just flat-out lied. He wanted to be treated like he was vaccinated because there were great benefits to being vaccinated. So he lied. He lied, and he submitted a fake vaccination card, and he still could be prosecuted for it. And uh, it's okay for us to point that out. It's okay for us to say he did something wrong. And he has every right to try to redeem himself. But being belligerent about it, being hostile about it, that's not going to lead to the redemption that he needs. He should just be very thankful 
that the Buccaneers are welcoming him back. Mm-hmm. That should be his play right now. Be grateful and be silent. That's the best move. If he was my son, my brother, my cousin, my client, I would say, Antonio, just do what, do what you did last year. Keep your head low, focus on football, and everything will work out. It isn't working out for Daniel Jones of the New York Giants. He is out for the remainder of the season, hasn't played since week 12 because of a neck injury. One year left on his rookie contract. They have to make a decision about his option for next year. First, we have to know who the general manager is, but I have a feeling they're not going to pick up the option. It becomes fully guaranteed when it's exercised. Don't pick up the option. Keep him for next year. If he's great next year, fine. Then use the franchise tag. Use the transition tag. But I'd be stunned if they pick up the fifth-year option. I think that uh, that you know Jones next year will be on the team, but he's going to have to compete. And I think all bets are off as to what the Giants do when it comes to their starting quarterback in 2022, Shereen. Oh, I've seen enough. I don't know if the Giants have seen enough. I mean, he's had three years to show the Giants of what he is, and it just hasn't been good enough. So he's going to be on the team, but bring in competition, whoever that is, whether that is through the draft, whether that is a trade for Russell Wilson or some other quarterback, they need another option as their starting quarterback. And as for the rest of the year, Mike, I think it's great that he's not going to play. You just don't mess with neck injuries. You don't risk that. He hasn't been cleared for contact. It's been three games. The Giants aren't playing for anything. So let him get himself well, worry about the neck and getting it fully healed and not risking that. That's great. But for the rest of the season, Mike Glennon has shown them nothing in three starts except to say, why is he even in the NFL? He's earned over $5 million for each of his six wins in the NFL. He's been terrible. He passed for 99 yards and three interceptions yesterday before they replaced him with Jake Fromm. Fromm looked pretty darn good in his debut two weeks after signing with the team off the practice squad. And I understand he hadn't looked great in practice. I get that. Maybe he doesn't have all of the playbook down. But if I'm the Giants, I'm starting Jake Fromm the rest of the year just to see what I have in him, if there's anything there, if there's any sort of potential there. I get he's not going to have the full playbook down fully. I get all that. I still would play Jake Fromm rather than Mike Glennon. I've seen enough of Mike Glennon. He doesn't need to be in the NFL anymore. Well, <laughs> uh, well, we could not agree more on that point. And look, look, if coincidentally the Giants keep losing games, get back to our original point, you move higher yep. in the draft, and they have the Bears' <clears throat> first-round pick as a result of the trade down from 11 to number 20. They're going to be in prime position to get whoever they want to get if they decide they want to get a quarterback in the draft coming up in just a few months. Let's take a break. When we return, we'll play a little fill-in-the-blank on this Monday edition of PFTPM. We'll be right back. For the two-point conversion in the lead, Huntley takes the snap. He'll roll to the right. Pumps, throws. Broken up incomplete. Yeah, I'm just going to try to get the win right there. You know, in, in overtime, I think our chances of winning right there were a little bit higher than in overtime, maybe, if you calculate it out. But felt good about it. Thought we had a good play. And uh, you know, again, they made a really good play. I got to give that safety a lot of credit for getting out there and tipping that ball. That's John Harbaugh talking about the failed effort to go for two and take the lead late in regulation. It wouldn't have been for the win. Let's dispense with that because Aaron Rodgers got a game-winning field goal in week three against the 49ers on Sunday night football with five fewer seconds and one fewer timeout in that game. He would have had 42 seconds and a timeout to try to get the Packers in position for a game-winning field goal if the Ravens had indeed converted that two-pointer. And, yes, he still would have had that time if they would have converted the one-pointer, but there's a different mindset if it's tied versus if you're behind and you know you have to score or the game is over. If it's tied, you still have overtime in your back pocket. So, fill in the blank. The Ravens' decision to go for two was what, Shereen? Well, predictable, Mike. And when they did it against the Steelers, Mike Tomlin said, oh, we expected this. This is what they do. When they did it yesterday, what did uh, LaFleur say? This is what we expected. This is what they do. And that's part of the problem with consistently going for it in these situations. 
My bigger question is, why didn't they go for it when they scored with 447 left? They're down 31-23, and they kicked the extra point. I would have gone for it there. That gives you two opportunities to get it. And I don't know. I didn't see. I looked. If John Harbaugh was asked that question about why they didn't go for it after that touchdown with 447 left and why they ended up going for it uh, with with 42 seconds left. Now, Analytics, if you want to follow analytics, analytics said they should have kicked the extra point in that situation. 51% was what it came up to. It's basically a coin flip at that point. But guess what? Pittsburgh in this game, Mike, exact same outcome. I don't know if it's the same play, but both times they tried to throw to Mark Andrews. Both times the ball was tipped away. The first one... I don't. I guess T.J. Watt didn't actually get a hand on it, but he he made an errant throw by Lamar Jackson in that game at the end of that game, and now this one was tipped away on an attempt to Mark Andrews going to the right side of the field. Try a different play. Run, running scores more often from the two-yard line than throwing the ball, so maybe they should try to run it in next time. I don't know, but they have the most failed two-point conversions along with the Vikings, six. So you don't have that many two-point plays as we discussed a hundred times. They need to come up with better plays if they're going to go for it in that situation. My answer is the Ravens' decision to go for two was ultimately unsuccessful, and that's all that matters. Pass, (laughs) fail, right? That's all that matters. As it relates to yesterday's game, this may be the the way we do things, and maybe they're due to go on a hot streak now. Maybe they're going to convert. Two-point conversion after two-point conversion. They're going to win games, and it's going to be great. But ultimately, it comes down to whether or not you pull it off. And I wrote something today at PFT that tried to look into the various factors that go into this. And we've talked about how much time is left, who the other quarterback is, whether you tie the game or go ahead by two, how that changes the mindset. But also, how do you feel not just about your selection of the two-point play that you worked on all week long, knowing that the defenses that are preparing to face you are working on their two-point defenses because they know you're predictable in the fact that you go for two, so they're going to be ready for it. They will have talked about it. They would have planned for it. That's why being predictable isn't a good thing. It's better to be unpredictable in all things football so you don't put your opponent on notice, and they know exactly how to prioritize their preparation. We have to carve out some time this week, guys. we got to carve out some time to work on our two-point defense because we know what the Ravens do, and if there's a touchdown late, we got to be ready for it. If you think that that isn't the case, well, then you don't understand. As Brandon Staley would say, real football people know that that's how it works. Sims tells a story about the Patriots, Super Bowl 51, that I think it's Sims that told this story that Bill Belichick said to Josh McDaniels, I got a feeling it's going to be a high-scoring game or we're going to be behind and we need extra two-point plays. You better have five or six ready. And what did they win the game on? Well, did they win it on a two-point play? They forced overtime yeah. in a two-point play. They won it in overtime, obviously, on the first drive after the kickoff. So, so here's the thing that I'd love to know, and John Harbaugh is never going to tell us this because it wouldn't be right. fair to Tyler Huntley. I think Tyler Huntley made a bad read on the play. And I think John Harbaugh talking about the safety getting over to make the play is his way of tactfully pointing out that Hollywood Brown was wide open in the end he zone. Was. And that that was the, the, that was the yep. pl- I think that was the strategy of the play. When you roll Tyler Huntley to the right and you basically cut the field in half, you got two options. Well, three if he runs it. You got Mark Andrews in the corner and you got the guy who's running through Hollywood Brown fast enough to beat whoever's on him running through open if the safety bites on Andrews. So, Tyler, here's what we do on this play. We watch, and if the safety breaks that way, you look back to see if Hollywood Brown is there. Watch Hollywood Brown. Watch. Watch. That's his route. That's his route. That He didn't just make that up. That's his route. He's wide open, and you see him put his hand up at the end like, hey, I thought that's what we were going to do here. So, again, again, and I feel bad even saying it because Huntley had a great game. First Ravens player ever to have two touchdown passes and two rushing touchdowns in the same game. But... There's a chance he made a bad read there. And that's one of the other factors. Do you trust your players when it's time to run that play? Do you trust them to do what they're supposed to do? Or, you know, is it just is the, yeah, is it the first time Tyler Huntley's in that moment? Maybe it was a little too big for him. But regardless, um, people say they don't like the play call. I think if they knew the truth, if my hunch is right, it wasn't a bad play call. It was just a bad play execution. Yeah, well, exactly right, Mike, if, if that was. And, and you could see him running free, so we know he was running free, and likely that was the play. But you do have to factor in, 
that it's your backup quarterback. And maybe he factored in, well, it is our backup quarterback, so I don't trust going to overtime because I have my backup quarterback. But the guy had played great in that game. I would have trusted Justin Tucker to make the field goal, the most accurate kicker in NFL history. Hope I won the coin toss. And I could go down and at minimum get a field goal. Now, I, I realize I'm facing Aaron Rodgers in this game, but as a gut feeling that Harbaugh had, and he said after the game, I don't base it just on numbers. I base it on gut feeling. And he just had a feeling in that. And, and fortunately for him, he's been wrong often enough at these gut feelings that this team may not make the postseason now or may not win the division or however it works out. They're the first team in NFL history to lose three consecutive games in a single season by a combined four points or less. That's how close they've been to winning and losing games, and they weren't able to do it. All right, next topic, Mike McCarthy's and the Cowboys offense blank. Boy, that can go a lot of different ways. Um, well, it stinks right now, frankly. I, you know, they forced four turnovers in the last three games. And they've scored 27, 27, and 21. The defense has been terrific. The offense has not been good enough to this point. And they had a chance right before the half, Mike, when they let the clock run down and tried a last-second field goal going into the half. They could have called a timeout earlier, their last timeout, and actually had another play. But I'm not so sure that Mike McCarthy didn't trust his offense. I think he said, hey, I'm taking the three points here. Let's go into halftime. They're not going to score on my defense. I'll be comfortable with that. So I think that's how little right now he trusts this offense. Whatever it is, whether it's Kellen Moore's play calling, whether it's Dak Prescott having some sort of physical, mental, whatever it is, well, whatever it is, this offense has not been the same as it was the first six games of the season. Yeah, and that's absolutely right. Look, the offense right now remains a work in progress. We didn't have significant production yesterday that we could see from the running game. Dak Prescott isn't the guy he was those first six games before he injured his calf. He says he's 100%. Shereen, we applied the Shereen Williams rule last week when Miles Simmons and I were talking about this. Hey, if you're not healthy, then you yeah, just stink. That's you it. decide. It's up to you. Sorry, Dak. I love Dak Prescott, and he was an MVP candidate to start the season. Just feels like they're hanging on right now. Meanwhile, they climbed the ladder because they won. Yeah. Cardinals lost. Buccaneers lost. The dream is still alive for the Cowboys to actually be the number one seed in the NFC. That's how tightly packed everything is. All right, I couldn't believe what, Shireen? Well, I couldn't believe that the Saints shut out the Bucks. What an effort by Dennis Allen and that Saints defense. But for whatever reason, they have Tom Brady's number, and they have it really, really good. Seventh consecutive victory uh, that New Orleans has beaten Tampa Bay in the regular season. We know what happened in, in the postseason. But this was a hat and T-shirt game for the Bucks, Mike. They had the chance to, to win the division at home. They haven't won the division since 2007, and they go out there and lay the egg. Only the third shutout Tom Brady has suffered in his career, and he'd gone 255 consecutive games without one. Just stunning the way that Saints uh, defense played against the Bucks' woeful offense that was leading the league in scoring. Hey, and if that doesn't get Dennis Allen some interviews for head coaching vacancies, I don't know what Absolutely. will. I don't know what else he can do. If I'm Dennis Allen, I say to the NFL at large, what else am I supposed to do? Shut out Tom Brady for the first time in more than 15 years while serving not just as defensive coordinator but head coach. What else am I supposed to do? You tell me. Is there some straw that I'm supposed to spin into gold? Is there some, is there some other magic trick that I can perform for you? What else can I do other than prove to you that I can run a good defense? Oh, yes, and I can also coach yeah. a team while I'm running the, uh, the very good defense. I, I couldn't believe that the Lions beat the Cardinals, and I think that's all yeah. we need to say about that. The Lions beat the Cardinals. We talked about it earlier. I don't believe it. I would have never believed it. I still don't want to process it, and I can't imagine how Cardinals fans feel today after that one. Last one. Biggest disappointment of the weekend was, as we watched Kyler Murray, not looking like the Kyler Murray who was an MVP candidate, but the biggest disappointment of the season was what, Shereen? Well, I think all the COVID disruptions and you look at what the Browns are going through today with not having their top two quarterbacks, I just think it's going to be affect competitively what happens in the postseason. And I think it's unfortunate for some of these things that uh, some of these teams that their games either got postponed or they're still going to be without players as they go into these games. All right, uh, and look, the thing that uh, was the biggest disappointing, uh, biggest disappointment to me this weekend was the Patriots on Saturday night, and I still don't understand yeah. 
what Mac Jones was saying when he was talking to reporters afterward. We played that this morning on PFT Live. Mm. I just think they put his battery in upside down. Oh, I'm just, I'm, he just, he's so, he's just so flat and monotone, but he said something about, yeah. we were feeling sorry for ourselves coming off yeah. of the bye week. Well, why, why, bye. Why, I, you, you, he's like mixing up his sayings, you know, it's like Woody from yeah. Toy Story and his, and his, his, his voice box has gotten busted and it's mashing together the sayings. Um, there's a snake in my, you're my best friend. I mean, you know, that I, so I, 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 I don't think that he meant they were feeling sorry for themselves coming off of the bye. Uh, but, but I was disappointed that they had no energy and it took them a full half of football before they yeah. finally woke up. All right, let's go ahead and uh, take a break. The, uh, we'll give you an update on the Raiders-Browns game when we return. Meanwhile, we'll make a case for or against various AFC teams making it to the playoffs. We'll be right back. You know, we're the five seed. We we got to win every one of these games. I mean, every what we said in there was, hey, this is a great team win, but this this counts for one. Just a big win. Big win. I was excited about it. Hard-fought win. You know, it's, it's like that sometimes in December in the NFL when you're trying to make the playoffs. Uh, excited about the win. It's a tight race, and we're just trying to do our best in it right now. Environments like this at this time of the season, every game kind of is a playoff. We won this one. We're getting singularly focused for the next one. We're not. You know, diagnosing big pictures, no need to. We take care of business in stadium. We don't have to look around. Uh, we got three AFC games left, two of which are AFC North games. And so all we need to do is focus on, on, on the stadiums that we're in. That's the message. Mike Tomlin, I would run through a brick wall for you if I could, but I would end up smacking against the wall and breaking every bone in my body. You can break every bone in your brain trying to sort through this playoff picture. Thank God we have Steve Kornacki on Sunday nights. All right, Shereen, we're going to go through some of these teams. One each. Uh, one for each of us. Uh, four each. And, you know, we'll probably go back and forth a little bit. But let's start with the Tennessee Titans. I want you to make your case for and against, if we can actually do that efficiently, the Titans making it to the playoffs this offseason or this yeah they know who we mean this postseason yeah. postseason offseason yeah. it's offseason for some it's postseason for others it's the, yeah, yeah yeah go ahead well you know the titans have a game lead right now on the colts and and i think with the schedule they have left they also have the tiebreaker the schedule they have left i think they get in i think because they have houston left on their schedule but they've already lost to houston 22 13 in week 11 they also lost the jets in week four so it's not necessarily a team you can trust but they're getting aj brown back they they activated him uh today he's going to return to practice and they could get derrick henry back at some point whether it's before the end of the season or into the postseason i do think this is a team that gets into the postseason um, they've lost three of four. I get that. But with the 49ers, the Dolphins, and the Texans left on their schedule, they're going to get to 10 wins. The question is, how many more can they get above that? I think the 49ers and Dolphins will be hard wins. But if they can just split those two games and beat Houston, they're at 11. So I think this is a team that gets in. I think it comes down to 49ers, Dolphins. Are they, do they go 2-0, and 0-2, or 1-1? and 1? And that leads to the yeah. Colts because I think the Colts are, are going to get in. The question is, can they win the division? Now, if it's a tie, the Titans win because the Titans swept the Colts this year. But if the Colts, you know, go three and zero, and the Texans or the Titans, excuse me, go one and two, then the Colts are going to win the division. They got the Cardinals on Christmas night. What a gift that one is! That should be a great one because the Cardinals all of a sudden are getting a little, a little shaky. The Colts are looking great. Raiders, Jaguars, winnable games on the back end. The Colts could run the table. I think they will go at least two and one, and that should be enough. Ten and seven should be enough to get in in this AFC playoff field. So the Colts are getting in. The real question in my mind is, do they ultimately win the division? Shereen, you you mm-hmm. take the team that for now is in first place in the in the AFC North, the Cincinnati Bengals, and they'll stay there if the Browns end up losing this afternoon to the Raiders. Yeah, and, you know, I I don't know about their changes. They're, to me, they're just so up and down. They haven't seemed to get that they're a good team, that they can win. There's a process to learning how to win. 
They're eight and six, but they have the Ravens, Chiefs, and Browns. I'm just kind of iffy on all three of those games. Are they going to be able to win one of those games, two of those games? I certainly don't see them winning all three of those games. I, I don't, just with the way they've played this season. I think they're good enough to win all three, but I don't think they will because I don't think they've totally bought into, hey, we're really good. We can be really special this season. If they win two of three, they have a 67% chance to make it. I'm not even positive they can win two of three, Mike. When they beat the Ravens in Baltimore week seven, that felt like the moment they arrived. And then yeah. it's also where they kind of fell apart. And they, they lost a couple, won a couple, lost a couple, won one. So they're very inconsistent right now. There is a chance they're going to tumble out of it altogether, and they don't have an easy stretch. My topic, Patriots and Bills both getting in. I think – I hate to say it because the problem is I'm going to, I'm going to have a, a – 10-team playoff field in the AFC if I keep saying, yeah, they're going to get in, yeah, they're going to get in. Somebody's not going to get in. That's the point of this. I think the Patriots are going to win this weekend, and they're going to get in. And let's pull up the Bills' schedule if we can, because let's give the Bills an L this weekend, and they drop to 8-7. and So it's going to come down to the final two games for Buffalo. And and it could be that we have a whole cluster of 10-7 and teams. They should be able to beat the Falcons and the Jets at home in January. That's what it's going to come down to. I think they lose to the Patriots. Yeah. Patriots get in. Patriots win the division. They beat the Falcons and the Jets. Will 10-7 and 7 be good enough? Again, it may come down to various tiebreakers and various formulas. And you're going to have, you're going to have multiple teams with the same record. And some are getting in and some aren't getting in, Shereen. Oh, that's exactly it, which leads us to the Chargers. They're sitting there at 8-6, and six, Mike, and I think they're better, just like last season. I think they were better than their record last season. I think they're better than their record this season. We know what happened against the Chiefs the other night when they had a chance to win that game and propel themselves as perhaps the favorite in that division, and they didn't get it done. But they have the Texans, Broncos, and Raiders left. I think they win out. If they don't go 3-0, they don't deserve to get in, Mike. And and I agree with you. And there are going to be good teams, teams that we've talked about in glowing terms at some point this season, and the ups and the the downs and the highs and the lows that aren't going to get in. The Ravens among them. The Ravens at one point were one of the best teams in the NFL. It feels like they are struggling to the finish line. This game against the Bengals is critical. They've lost three in a row by a total of four points. And I think John Harbaugh's done a great job of holding this team together. But I think at some point, at some point, just the pressure and the pressure, and it just breaks. It just snaps, and it may snap this weekend. You know, I think whoever loses this Bengals-Ravens game isn't getting in. It's kind of like an early playoff game in the AFC North. Um, and if the Ravens lose this game, I think they are out. I think they are done, especially because they have the Rams and Steelers to finish it up. So I don't think the Ravens are going to get in, and uh, uh, it's going to take a ton of work for them to turn it around at this point. Well, and I'm going with the Steelers. I don't think they're going to get in. And I know you've made the case that 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 tie could be the difference maker for the Steelers. They have the Chiefs, the Browns, the Ravens left. I just don't like their chances. Probably going to have to win out. I don't see them winning out. I don't think they beat the Chiefs. That's just going to be a huge game. They're going to have to win that one uh, if if they want to get in. The only reason to say they're going to get in is because it seems like they're always in. And I was surprised when I went back and looked and – Tomlin's previous 14 seasons, they actually missed the playoffs seven times. Of course, had no winning, no losing records. They were eight and eight a few of those years. But this is a team that's always a contender, always around there. Yes, they have a chance, but I just think with this crowded field, it's going to take them winning out, and I don't see them winning out. But that's the Steelers, and that I from the moment they had that tie, like boy, that's going to be a factor. You said it. It's going to be either them. Just missing it or just getting in. And after seeing how they played yesterday, I feel like they're going to just get in. The Dolphins, I feel like, are going to just not make it in. Great for them to win six in a row. It's been fun to watch it happen. But, yeah, we saw it last year. After the the, the game right around Christmas time when uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick had his head twisted off his body and he threw the pass in overtime, and it was just one of those exciting nights of football. Uh, at the Saints, at the Titans, and the Patriots to finish the season. I think if they lose one, they're done. And because uh, ten and seven is going to be it. There's going to be a group of teams yeah. of ten and seven. Some are getting in, some aren't. And if you're anything worse than ten and seven, you're not getting in. Unless the Steelers can leapfrog that group with 
what would it be, 10-6-1 and one, and punch their ticket that way. It's yeah. starting to make sense, I think. Maybe. I don't know. We'll try to make sense of tonight's Vikings-Bears game. The Vikings up against it. Can they pull off the victory in Chicago? We'll discuss that next here on PFTPM. The Browns trailing the Raiders 7-0 midway through the second quarter. No interceptions yet, though, for Nick Mullins, so golf clap. All right, tonight, Vikings at the Bears. The line has moved all the way to 7 for the Vikings, given 7 points because the Bears have about 14 to 16 guys on the COVID reserve list. I think it's 14 on the roster and two. No, it's 12 on the roster and it's two on the practice squad. So they're going to be undermanned to a certain extent. They had all three coordinators on COVID reserve, but Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator, made it back for tonight. Kirk Cousins has two or more touchdown passes in six straight games. He'd be the third Viking to do that in seven straight games, joining Warren Moon in 95 and Tommy Kramer in 80 and 81. But Kirk Cousins, 9 and 17, in primetime games. Adam Thielen is questionable with an ankle injury. And this is it for the Vikings. I mean, the Bears aren't going to make it to the yeah. playoffs. They run the table. They get to 8-9. and nine. That's not going to be good enough, even though they're not mathematically eliminated. If the Vikings lose tonight, it's I think it's over. Because then they would have to, to even have a chance, beat the Rams, Packers, and Bears and run the table. They, they need to win tonight so they have a buffer of losing one against the Rams or the Packers, Shereen. Yeah, absolutely. And it, Mike, if you can't beat the Bears who are 4-9 and, and struggling and have a ton of guys on COVID missing a couple of coordinators, again, you don't deserve to go to the playoffs. You're better than the Bears. Go out and impose your will. Seven-point favorites in this game. They have no excuses. They have to win this game. And I think we're going to see a big game for Mr. Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I agree with you. And Dalvin Cook doing everything he can to help Mike Zimmer keep his job. Because they don't make the playoffs. I think it's a pretty safe bet that Mike yeah. Zimmer's gone. And remember, we're not yeah. – I talked about this with Rich Eisen earlier today. We've never done this before, so we have no idea how it's going to be. But even though it's Christmas this weekend, come Sunday and Monday, if yep. not sooner – uh, you know, it could come this week firings. for the Bears. You're going to see some firings because you've already got the Raiders and the Jaguars with a head start, Shireen. Teams are going to want to get started, especially with the Rooney rule being even more enhanced this year. The more candidates you consider, in better, that's the better standing you're in with the league, and the sooner you get started, the more candidates you're going to have time to consider. And if you know the guy's going to be gone, why wait? So next week at this time, we could be talking about a handful of firings. Yeah, I talked to John Wooten, who formerly was head of the Fritz Pollard Alliance, and we talked a lot today about that, that these things are coming and because teams can get a head start in hiring their next head coach. So why wouldn't you do that, Mike? Boy, what a horrible time for it to happen. But this is the life they've chosen. It's either going to happen at the end of the season or it's going to happen this weekend. What's going to happen now is we're gone. See you tomorrow. Thanks for some of your time.